0: chapter fifteen of the life of thomas lord cochrane tenth earl of dundonald volume one by henry richard fox Bourne. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by timothy ferguson eighteen twenty six to eighteen twenty seven lord cochrane having passed from brussels to flushing sailed thence in the unicorn on the eighth of may eighteen twenty six before proceeding to the mediterranean he determined in spite of the personal risk would thus be subjected to through the foreign enlistment act to see for himself in what state were the preparations for his enterprise in greece he accordingly landed at weymouth and hurrying up to london spent the greater part of sunday the sixteenth of may in mr galloway's building-yard at greenwich he found that the perseverance was apparently completed though waiting for some finishing touches to be put to her boilers the other two vessels he said were filled with pieces of the high-pressure engines all unfixed and scattered about in the engine-room and on deck the boilers were in the small boats and occupied nearly one-half of their length mr galloway having through inattention or otherwise caused them to be made of the same dimensions as the boilers for the great vessels which by the by had been improperly increased from sixteen feet the length determined on to twenty-three feet the inspection was unsatisfactory but mr galloway pledged himself on his honour that the perseverance should start in a day or two that the enterprise and the irresistible should be completed and sent to sea within a fortnight and that the other three vessels should be out of hand in less than a month trusting to that promise or at any rate hoping that it might be fulfilled and after a parting interview with sir francis Burdett, mr elise and other friends lord cochrane left london on monday and joined the unicorn at dartford on the twentieth of may it had been arranged that he should wait in british waters for the first instalment of his little fleet at any rate With that object, he called at Falmouth, and receiving no satisfactory information there, went to make a longer halt in Bantry Bay. At length, hearing that the Perseverance had actually started with Captain Hastings for its commander, and that the other two large vessels were on the point of leaving the Thames, he left the coast of Ireland on the 12th of June. He vainly hoped that the vessels would promptly join him in the Mediterranean, and that within four or five weeks' time he should be at work in Greek waters. The journey, however, was to last nine months.' the mismanagement and wilful delays of mr Galway and other contractors and agents continued as before the urgent need of greece was unsatisfied the funds collected for promoting her deliverance were wantonly perverted and the looked-for deliverer was doomed to nearly a year of further inactivity hateful to him at all times but now a special source of annoyance as it involved not only idleness to himself but also serious injury to the cause he had espoused he passed a porto on the eighteenth lisbon on the twentieth and gibraltar on the twenty-sixth of june he was off algiers on the third of july and on the twelfth he anchored in the harbour of messina there and in the adjoining waters he waited nearly three months in daily expectation of the arrival of his vessels messina having been the appointed meeting-place no vessels came but instead only dismal and procrastinating letters we deeply lament wrote messrs jandis ricardo the contractors for the greek loan in one of them dated the ninth of september that after all the exertions which have been used we have not yet been able to dispatch the two large steam-vessels everything has been ready for some time but mr galway's failure in the engines will now occasion a much longer detention we leave to your brother who writes by the same opportunity to fully explain to your lordship how all this has arisen and what measures it has been considered expedient to adopt in the whole of this unfortunate affair we have endeavoured to follow your wishes and our conduct toward Mr. Galway, who has much to answer for, has been chiefly directed by his representations. Galway is the evil genius that pursues us everywhere, wrote the same correspondence on the 25th of September. His presumption is only equalled by his incompetency. Whatever he has to do with is miserably deficient. We do not think his misconduct has been intentional, but it has proved most fatal to the interests of Greece and of those engaged in her behalf, on your lordship it has pressed peculiarly hard and most sincerely do we lament that an undertaking which promised so fairly in the commencement should hitherto have proved unavailing and that your power of assisting this unhappy country should have been rendered nugatory by the want of means to put it in effect those letters and others written before and after did not reach lord cochrane till the end of october in the meanwhile finding that the expected vessels did not arrive at messina and that in that place it was impossible even for him to receive accurate information as to the progress of affairs in london he called at malta about the middle of september and thence proceeded to marseilles as a convenient holding-place in which he had better chance of hearing how matters were proceeding and from which he could easily go to meet the vessels when if ever they were ready to join him he reached marseilles on the twelfth of october and on the same day he forwarded a letter to messrs ricardo i wrote to you a few days ago he said from malta and as the packet sailed with a fair wind you will receive that letter very shortly you will thereby perceive that distressing suspense in which i have been held and the inconvenience to which i have been exposed by remaining on board this small vessel for a period of five months during all the heat of a mediterranean summer without exercise or recreation The situation has been rendered the more unpleasant as i have had no means to inform myself except through the public papers relative to the concern in which we are now engaged my patience however is now worn out and i have come here to learn whether i am to expect the steam-vessels or not whether the scandalous blunders of mr galway are to be remedied by those concerned or if an ill-timed parsimony is to doom greece to inevitable destruction for such will be the consequence if ibrahim's resources are not cut up before the period at which it is usual for him to commence operations you know my opinions so well that it is unnecessary to repeat them to you i shall however add that the intelligence and plans i have obtained since my arrival in the mediterranean confirm these opinions and enable me to predict with as much certainty as ever i could do on any enterprise that if the vessels and the means to pay six months expenses are forwarded there shall not be a turkish or egyptian ship in the archipelago at the termination of the winter It may have been expected that I should immediately proceed to Greece in this vessel. I might have done so at an earlier period of my life, before I proved by experience that advice is thrown away upon persons in the situation and circumstances in which the Greek rulers and their people are unfortunately placed. Having made up my mind on this subject, I must entreat you to let me know, by the earliest possible means, what I am to expect in regard to the steamships.' i see by the globe of the second of last month that the holders of greek stock were to have a meeting i conclude they came to some resolution and this resolution i want to know i wish i could give them my eyes to see with they would then pursue a course which would secure their interests this however is impossible therefore they must like the greeks be left to follow their own notions i have however no objections to your stating to these gentlemen either publicly or privately that i pledge my reputation to free greece if they will by the smallest additional sacrifice that may be required put the stipulated force at my disposal quote. Readers note, footnote. this letter like some others of this nature is partly written in cipher the key to which is lost its concluding sentences therefore are not given footnote. at marseilles lord cochrane received information disheartening enough though more encouraging than was justified by the real state of affairs with reference to his intended fleet on the fourteenth of october he wrote to explain his position as he himself understood it to the greek government by the most fortunate accident he said i have met mr hobhouse here who from his correspondence with messrs ricardo and others in london enables me to state to you that the two large steamboats will be completed on the twenty-eighth day of this month and that they will proceed on the following day for the rendezvous which i had assigned to them previous to my departure you may therefore count on them being in greece around the fourteenth of next month the american frigate is said to be completed and on her way and i feel a confident hope that i shall be able here to add a very efficient ship of war to the before-mentioned vessels it is probable he added that many idle reports will be circulated here and through the public prints because under existing circumstances i find it necessary to appear now as a person traveling about for private amusement i can assure you however that the hundred and sixty days which i have already spent in this small vessel without ever having my foot on shore till the day before yesterday has been a sacrifice which i should not have made for any other cause than that in which i am engaged but i considered it essential to conceal the real insignificance of my situation and allow rumours to circulate of squadrons collecting in various parts judging that the effect would be to embarrass the operations of the enemy quote. Readers note quote it should be here explained that the building and fitting out of two frigates contracted for in new york at the cost of a hundred and fifty thousand pounds having been assigned to persons whose mismanagement was as scandalous as that which perplexed the greek cause in london one of them having been sold and with the proceeds and some other funds the other having been completed and fitted out more than two hundred thousand pounds having been spent upon her she reached greece at the end of eighteen twenty six there to be known as the hellas Footnote ends. That concealment had to be maintained, and the wearisome delays continued for three months more. All the promises of Mr. Galway and all the efforts, real or pretended, of the Greek deputies in London were in vain. The completion of the steam-vessels was retarded on all sorts of pretexts, and when each little portion of the work was said to be done, it was found to be so badly executed that it had to be cancelled and the whole thing done afresh. In this way, all the residue of the loan of 1825 was exhausted, and all for worse than nothing.' lord cochrane would never have been able to proceed in greece at all had the deputies orlando and Luriotus, who had been contracted for his employment been his only supporters fortunately however he had other and worthier coadjutors the greek committee in paris did much on his behalf and yet more was done by the philhellenes of switzerland with chevalier aynard at their head of whom one zealous member dr l a goss of geneva well informed very zealous full of genuine enthusiasm for the cause of humanity and an excellent physician quote, as monsieur aynard described him was about to go in person to greece as administrator of the funds collected by the swiss committee lord cochrane's disconsolate arrival at marseilles and the miserable failure of the plans of his enterprise had not been known to monsieur aynard and his friends a week before they set themselves to remedy the mischief as far as lay in their power as a first and chief movement they proposed to buy a French corvette, then lying in Marseilles harbour, and fit her out as a stout auxiliary to Lord Cochrane's little force, expected from London and New York. Lord Cochrane, being consulted on the scheme, eagerly acceded to it in a letter written on the 25th of October. Quote, as I have yet no certainty, he said, that the person employed to fit the machinery of the steam-vessels will now perform his task better than he has heretofore done, I recommend purchasing the corvette, provided that she can be purchased for the sum of two hundred thousand francs, and if funds are wanting, I am personally willing to advance enough to provision the corvette and am ready to proceed in that or any other fit vessel, but I am quite resolved, without a moral certainty of something following me, not to ruin and disgrace the cause by presenting myself in Greece in a schooner with two carronades of the smallest calibre the corvette was bought and equipped but in this several weeks were employed in the interval for a week or two after the eighth of december lord cochrane went to geneva there to be the guest of chevalier aynard to be introduced to dr gosse and to become personally acquainted with many other philhellenes neither lord cochrane nor his friends could quite abandon the hope of the ultimate completion of the london steam-vessels they felt too that with nothing but the new vessel the american frigate and the perseverance lord cochrane would have very poor provision for his undertaking i have this moment received a letter from his lordship wrote m aynard to mr hobhouse on the twelfth of january eighteen twenty seven wherein he appears rather disappointed with respect to the scantiness of the forces and the means placed at his disposal he informs me that he has no officers few sailors and that in case the steamer should not arrive he will not feel qualified to encounter the turkish and egyptian naval forces as well as the algerines who of all are the best manned I therefore shall not be able to undertake anything of moment, continues his lordship. Thus to stake my character and existence would be a mere chaotic act. I will put to sea, however, but still with a heavy heart, yet not until I have with me all requisites and my stores and ammunition be embarked likewise. Discouragement appears throughout his lordship's letter." this discouragement is not to be wondered at it is hardly necessary however to give further illustration of it or of the troubles incident to this long waiting time enough has been said to show lord cochrane's position in relation to this deplorable state of affairs and to exonerate him from all blame in the matter that he should have been blamed at all is only part of the wanton injustice that attended him nearly all through his life he had consented in the autumn of eighteen twenty five to enter the service of the greeks on the distinct understanding that six english built steamships should be placed at his disposal and to facilitate the arrangements he did and bore far more than could have been expected of him for the delays and disasters that befell those arrangements he was in no way responsible he was only thereby a very great sufferer but his sufferings would have been greater and he would have been really at fault had he consented to go to greece without any sort of provision as few rash friends and many eager enemies desired him to do and afterwards blamed him for not doing as it was he greatly increased his difficulties by at last proceeding to greece with the miserable equipment provided for him in his little schooner the unicorn he left marseilles on the fourteenth of february eighteen twenty seven and proceeded to saint trapezzi where the french corvette the salveur was being fitted out under the direction of captain thomas a brave and energetic officer thence he set sail with the two vessels on the twenty-third of february he reached poros and entered upon his service in greek waters on the nineteenth of march He had been wandering around the Mediterranean in a fine English yacht, purchased for him out of the proceeds of the loan, in order to accelerate his rival in Greece, ever since the month of June, eighteen twenty-six. Says the ablest historian of the Greek Revolution, the preceding paragraphs will show how much truth is contained in that sarcastic sentence. End of Chapter Fifteen. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.